everyone. I'm so glad that um, we have this opportunity to come together, a handful of us in this house, and a crowd of us throughout the, the world, actually. I was just sitting here thinking I saw Pastor get up and walk to the camera. I probably shouldn't keep walking back and forth since um, <laughs> we only have one camera operator, and you shouldn't have to stand there. Um, I'm Les Terrell. I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to be with you this morning and to bring a word that the Lord has um, spoken to me over the last number of days. Um, on Easter morning, Monica and I were driving over this morning, and I, I told her, I said, what a blessing. We actually get to go unto the house of the Lord on Easter morning. My, how we take things for granted, don't we, when we, when we um, are just able to come and go as we please. I want to start um, by just sharing a little bit this, from this morning, actually. Um, many of you have been, obviously, in the sanctuary before. Most of you have. And there's a flag hanging right back here, an American flag. And every time I look at that flag, I think about 9-11, another unique time in the history of our nation when we were attacked on our own home soil. And now, like then, we had numerous prayer gatherings, praying for the Lord to intervene on behalf of our nation. And this morning I found myself laying underneath that flag and, um, and praying. And, you know, the Lord reminded me of a, a scripture that we've, we've read here um, numerous times. But I'm going to pull up 2 Chronicles 7. And I'm going to read with you because this is the, the passage that he gave to me this morning as I was laying there praying. And this is a conversation of uh, Yahweh with Solomon. And he says in verse 12, And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night. And he said unto him, I have heard thy prayer, and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence, among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. This is an opportunity for us to humble ourselves and to pray. And this morning as I was praying underneath that banner, I, I just asked the Lord, and I ask him now, that through this trial, this difficulty that we face um, globally, that the Lord will cause us to humble ourselves and to pray. That he will cause us to... Um, to be mindful of our sin as a nation and to confess that sin and to repent unto him and to turn from our wicked ways.
because he is faithful to forgive our sins. He's faithful to heal our land. And I just pray that, Lord, as we humble ourselves and as, as we pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, Lord, that just like that iron that's in the fire, that's heated up to a melting point and pulled out of that fire and plunged into the water or oil even better and pulled back out and put back into the fire and hammered and pounded That's sometimes the feeling that we get, Lord, that this time that we're in, it's just um, it's a challenge in so many ways, but it's, it's such a blessing too. But Lord, like that iron that's in the fire that is, that is heated to a melting point, that is pounded with a hammer, Lord, that we as a people, as your saints, will come through this fire hardened and sharpened and able to hold an edge that will be enduring and lasting, that will be a way that, that will be able to um, to rightly divide, to cut asunder, Lord, to to cut to the chase, as it were, in the days ahead, as we minister on your behalf to the nations, that we will bring a quick word and that we will bring sharpness and exactness to that which you have prepared for us to bring forward. Lord, at this time, um, we're also reminded of the passage in Isaiah, chapter 26. Father, in Isaiah 26, we read in verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed or fixed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. These are trying days. You know, I mean, our, our patience gets worn thin sometimes. We get rambunctious. We get, you know, tired of being confined. We want to... We want to be amongst our brothers and our sisters and, our, and the saints. And we, we can't. But the Lord is with us always. And I just thank him for this opportunity to share with you this morning. And Lord, I thank you for being with us. I thank you on this Easter Sunday morning for Jesus, for the cross, for the cross of Christ and for what that means for us. I was walking down here before I came up and the Lord reminded me of that scripture in Jeremiah that talks about the fire being shut up in his bones. And for all of you who have taught in Wisdom Seekers or in a class during a seminar or whatever, sometimes it's a struggle, quite honestly, to, to, to really glean what the Lord wants you to teach on. And I was remarking internally, of course, not out loud, this morning how the, the word that I'm going to bring this morning has just been, it's been in a compilation of things the Lord has, has just shared with me over the last few days, and I'm anxious and excited to be able to bring uh, this for you this morning, and for the Lord, amen. You know, it's really interesting to me, you think about where we are as a, not just a nation, but as a globe with this coronavirus and this, you know, it's, you could consider it a plague, I suppose. Um, 
but that it's happening at this time of the year. I was reading in the, in the journal, the Wall Street Journal this week, and they said that it was projected that the peak of deaths as a result of coronavirus was supposed to occur on Sunday. Now, nobody knows if that's a fact, if it will or if it won't. But the fact that that was mentioned in the, in the, in the media, in the press, and I, I think about it's Easter Sunday, right? It's, it's that morning, that resurrection morning that the Lord was not found in the grave. And there is, uh, there is no irony in that. We're in the midst here of, you know, we just went through the Passover and the resurrection and it's Easter Sunday morning. And I believe that the Passover story is really a, a wonderful reminder for us of the hand of God in the lives of his people, in the lives of his saints, in the protection and the covering that he provides for us. Amen? So we're going to look at the Passover story, um, and I also want us to look at, we're going to read some from Exodus this morning, because we receive a lot of wonderful instruction and guidance on coming out of a difficult situation in the book of Exodus, because we're going to come out of this. And how we conduct ourselves on the exit from this is going to be also equally important. And so we're going to look together in Exodus. Um, but first, I want us to um, remember something. I want us to remember who it is that's in control, okay? Because it's not man. It's not our president. It's not anybody. It's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we read in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, it says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak unto the children of Israel. You know, this, as, as, as you have had much time with your, your family and those that you've been in confinement with, um, we've, we've done the same. And of course, Noah is home with us and, and his girlfriend Lucy's staying with us as well. And, um, you know, these conversations sometimes are wonderful reminders for us. And I was reminded wonderfully how easy it is sometimes to forget who it is that's in control. We were sitting outside having a conversation uh, about the coronavirus. And I was commenting on how um, I read an article in Barron's that Dr. Fauci um, had, had, had a quote. Many of you have heard him speak. I've not heard a lot of him, but I've, I've read some of what he said. But he says, he, he says um, in this Barron's article, it says, you know, how this, how this unfolds is really unknown. And then his quote is, you don't make the timeline. The virus makes the timeline. You don't make the timeline. The virus makes the timeline. And immediately, 
Lucy looked at me. <laughs> and she said, no, God makes the timeline. Amen? God is the one who is in control. He has this, you know, this, for whatever reason, we think this is taking everybody by surprise. It's taking a lot of us by surprise for sure. But it's not taking God by surprise, okay? He is the one that's in control. And we should not ever, ever forget that the king is in control. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the Passover. We're going to read some scripture together. So if you have the handouts, I had um, submitted them this morning. Hopefully they're available for you online. Um, if not, you are welcome to <laughs> do it old school and get out your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to begin in verse 1. <clears throat> and the Lord spoke unto Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, and he said, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year unto you. You are to speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of their souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it unto the fourteenth day of the month. Just long enough for the whole family to get attached. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So they did this together. They each had their own sacrificial lamb. <clears throat> they held on to it for 14 days. And then on the designated evening, they all killed the sheep together. Verse 7. They shall take of the blood and they shall strike it on the two posts and on the upper doorpost of their houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. Verse 11. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And I will smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast and an ordinance forever. 
Seven days will you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day shall you put leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from the first day into the seventh, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation unto you. No manner of work shall be done, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Hallelujah. We've all read this before, and I know that was a long passage, but I want to just um, point out a few things. Verse 5 says, your lamb shall be without blemish. You know, we're reminded that Jesus Christ was that lamb without blemish. He was a man like unto us in all ways, and yet he was without sin. Think about that. He lived, I believe it was 33 years on this earth amongst man, and he did not ever commit one sin. He was the perfect lamb of God without blemish. Praise the Lord. Because <laughs> if we had to live our lives in a sinless manner like that, we'd be in trouble. In verse 7 we read, Thou shalt take of the blood and strike it on the two posts and the upper post of the houses wherein they're going to eat it. And that, just a reminder, that shed blood of Jesus, that perfect sacrificial lamb, that is what covers our body. And our body, as we all know, is a temple of what? It is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the blood of Jesus covers us on the sides, on the top, from the soles of our feet to the top of our head. Praise the Lord. There is nothing that can come near us as we're covered with the blood of the Lamb. In <clears throat> verse 8, we read, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, with bitter herbs shall they eat it. You know, they, they, it's interesting because the Lamb was slain and the blood was put upon the doorpost as a sign for the death angel to pass over those houses. And yet at the same time, the Lord uses that lamb as a meal. <clears throat> he uses it as a, a source of strength and sustenance for his people. And we need to remember that the slain lamb of God, his body that was sacrificed for us, <clears throat> is our strength. It's what sustains us as we move forward and go forward in the days ahead to the places that the Lord leads us. Amen? Verse 11 says, You shall eat it with your loins girded, shoes on your feet, and, a staff, and your staff in your hand. Excuse me. That indicates to us that we should be prepared and ready to go at all times. You think about that. When you sit down, or not when you sit down, when you have this meal, this Passover meal, I want your clothes on, your feet on, your feet on. <clears throat> I do want your feet on, and I also want shoes on your feet. And I want your staff in your hand. So literally, they're dressed and ready to go, eating with one hand, the Passover meal, <clears throat> ready, ready to move forward. 
we need to be ready to move forward. And really, for us, our cry should always be, Lord, send me. We, we read in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, also the voice of the Lord said, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Is that truly the cry of our heart? Here am I, send me. Because if it's not, it should be. Amen? Verse 13 says, the, the blood shall be for a token upon the houses wherein you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The blood of Jesus, that sacrificial lamb, is upon us. And it is a token. The plague shall not be upon you to destruction. Not this plague, not any plague. Amen. <clears throat> In verse 14, finally, we read, This day shall be for you a memorial. We are always to remember the blood of Jesus. We are to always remember that blood that covers us. That blood of provision, that blood of sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. And it is the ultimate sacrifice forever and always. And I pray and I believe that this plague that we have in the land globally will pass over each and every one of you. Every saint in the saints network, every house represented, this plague will pass over you, you and your household. Indeed, all of your family, your extended family. And it will not be upon you to destruction. Praise the Lord. So let's talk about Resurrection Day. <clears throat> and let's read together John 16, 32 through 33. Now this is, of course, Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples. He says, Behold, the hour comes, yea, is now come, that you're going to be scattered, every man to his own. And you will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We are never alone, ever. And I would ask those who are listening today <clears throat> in this time of isolation and lock-in, do you feel alone? You know, I mean, there's many people out there that have that sense of loneliness. They can't get out of their houses, especially those that maybe don't have family with them. And that's a real, that's a real issue, loneliness. But I just want to tell you that you are never alone. The Lord is with you. And this is a time for you, a special time set aside for you to commune with him, to pray, to intercede, to worship like you've never had the opportunity before. And I pray that the Lord will strengthen and encourage you and be there with you and for you during this time. Jesus is telling his disciples here, in me you have peace. Does anybody out there 
feel scared? Do you feel apprehensive? Do you feel worried, nervous? Um, do you just feel like this swirling tumult around you? Because it, it's, it's, that, it's, it's that kind of a time right now. There's a lot going on in the spirit realm, yes, and in the physical realm. But Jesus tells his disciples right here, and he tells you and me, in me, you have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. We know that. And if you look around you right now, the world is in tribulation. They are freaking out. And I am curious to know, and I'll ask you a question. Where is it that you are spending your time these days? Are you spending your time watching the news, reading and listening to what the journalists say, and hanging on every, every word of media that comes out? You know, do you wake up in the morning and turn on your phone and look at the, the daily count? The curve? Is the curve getting flatter? <laughs> Are you constantly glued to social media and looking for the latest coronavirus statistics? Are you spending your time in the world, or are you spending your time in the Word? Preach it, brother. In the world, or in the Word? What's your ratio? How many hours are you spending in the world, reading the social media, and the media in general, versus how many time are you spending in the Word, reading the word of the Lord in prayer in an intercession. What's your ratio? Are you two to one, world versus word? Are you five to one, world versus word? I'm reminded of that bumper sticker I saw a long time ago that said, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. No, K-N-O-W, Jesus. No, K-N-O-W, peace. N-O, Jesus, N-O, peace. That was a simple little bumper sticker, but it certainly lodged in my mind. It makes its point. Interestingly, you getting up and looking at your phone every day, wondering what the statistics are, <laughs> They're not going to make it any better. They're not going to, that is not going to impact or have a change on anything that's going on. It's not going to change anything that's going on inside of you, and it's not going to change anything that's going on in the world. But prayer will, intercession will, interceding on behalf of your neighbors and the world around you, that'll do something. So let's spend our time. In prayer, in study, intercession, communion, communing with the Lord. Because that's, that's worthwhile. Amen. Why aren't we always surprised when we have these trials and these tribulations? Why aren't we always so shocked 
when that which we have been told will happen, happens. Human nature, I suppose, conditioning, you know, we've been conditioned by our environment. But let's read in Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 32 through 34. <clears throat> so this is Jesus and the disciples walking along the road. And they were going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before the disciples. And it says here, the disciples were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Jesus took again the twelve aside, and he began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man is going to be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they're going to condemn him to death. They will deliver him to the Gentiles. They're going to mock him. They're going to scourge him. They're going to spit on him. And then they're going to kill him. And on the third day, he's going to rise again. Think about this. The 12 disciples are with Jesus, and he's basically telling them exactly what's going to happen. <clears throat> Jesus was not a man that could lie. They knew that. And yet we read, after Jesus had told the 12 exactly what was going to happen, we read in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, that happens to be today, Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, the women came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And you remember the story, they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and they bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto him, Why seek you the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Don't you remember how he spoke unto you while he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. And they returned from the sepulcher, and they told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And it says here that these words of these women seem to be as idle tales unto the apostles, and they believed them not. And then Peter jumped up, and he said, I'm going to check this out for myself. And he ran to the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves. And then he left and departed, and wondering in himself that which was come to pass. Why do we... Why are we so shocked when things come to pass that we've been told are going to happen? And it could certainly be said of us, O oh, you of little faith, whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? Are we going to believe the report of the world and all that's swirling around us? Or are we going to believe the report of the Lord? 
as has so famously been said before, as for me and my house, we will believe the report of the Lord. The other evening, Monica and I were out walking the dogs. The dogs are just shocked and amazed at how many walks they get these days. But we were talking amongst ourselves about the remarkable peace that we have individually, that we feel together, that we have in our home during this most unusual and stressful pandemic of a time. We have perfect peace. I mean, it's, it's um, certainly unusual. <laughs> it's different. Monica and I were driving this morning to church, and I asked her, I said, did you ever imagine? Because it was like a ghost town. She commented we were driving. It's like a ghost town. I said, would you ever have imagined in all your days that it, we would ever be forced to, to stay inside like this and to not commune? And she, you know, she said no. But nonetheless, the Lord is with us, and we have perfect peace. And that perfect peace is a choice. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on the Lord. So you get to choose. What is your mind going to be fixed on? Okay, is your mind going to be fixed on the Lord? Guess what? You'll have perfect peace. Is your ratio a little higher? Is your mind going to be fixed on the things in the world? You're not going to have much peace. And I think there's something that we all need to commit to in this day. I think we need to commit to not being part of the problem. And we need to be part of the solution. I read this the other morning and I couldn't help but think of the trend that seems to be pretty well established in our land over the past number of weeks. And it comes out of Acts 17, verses 16 through 22. Paul is in Athens waiting for the rest of the disciples to join him. And it says in verse 16, While Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. I mean, do any of us have our spirit stirred inside of us right now? Anybody? With all that's going on? I do. My spirit is stirred inside of me. Paul's spirit was stirred inside of him when he saw the, the city was subject to idolatry. And I love this, because how many times do we read, therefore he disputed in the synagogues. Man, when he got his spirit stirred, the first thing he did was he went and started preaching the word. Therefore he disputed in the synagogues with the Jews, one, with them who were religious, two, and in the market daily with whomever he met. Okay, He was always quick and ready to dispute and to bring the word of salvation. There were certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics who disputed with him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Others said, well, he seems to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And so they took him and they brought him into Mars Street saying, May we not know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest 
certain strange things unto our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. This next verse is what really stuck with me. It says, For all the Athenians and the strangers that dwelt there gave themselves to nothing else but either to tell or to hear of some news. Everybody in Athens gave themselves to nothing else but to hear or to tell of some news. Sounds very similar to today, doesn't it? What news can I glean from the media and rebroadcast? What news can I glean from the word and rebroadcast? Amen? It just seems to me that today, this is, this is what's going on. People want nothing more than to hear or to tell us some news. And we need to remember the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 5, verses 14 and 16. Jesus tells them, and he tells you and me and each of us listening to this today, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill, cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put that candle on a candlestick, and it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I think we should all ask ourselves, has our light become dim as a result of the soot of the world. You know, you think about a, like a, let's say an old school street light or yard lamp, you know, it's, it's um, fueled by gas, flame flickers around inside of it, and it's got glass panes around it. And over time, <clears throat> the soot that comes off that flame darkens the panes, right? And it gets kind of black right? We're the flame. We're the light, okay? Had the, had the pains around us become darkened with the soot of the world? Because if they have, we need to wipe that off. We need to clean, clean that and be the light that we're supposed to be because I'm telling you, <laughs> if ever there's a time that people need to see the light and hear some good news, it is now. We also are reminded in Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, that it's better to trust in the Lord than to have confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to have confidence in princes. And I'm going to tell you that there is no man except the man, Jesus Christ, that is going to cover and protect us, under whose wing, the shadow of his wing, we're protected. It's not the President of the United States. He's not going to save you. It's not Jay Powell at the Fed with his interest rate cutting and money printing. It's not Dr. Fauci, the expert in whatever he's an expert in. 
There's no one that's going to save you except Jesus. Hallelujah. So I said earlier, there's, uh, there's some learning that can be had when we, when we look in the book of Exodus about coming out of a difficult situation because we're going to come out of this and how we conduct ourselves and the words we speak and those things that we present on the way out of this are going to be important. Again, I was walking my dog recently and I was talking to the Lord and I had on my mind this global pandemic. And honestly, at the time, I was wondering, how long is this going to last? Like we all have. <laughs> how long is this going to last? Are we going to get through the end of April, then they're going to push it out to the end of May? I don't know. But he reminded me when I was asking him about this that, you know, he delivered the Israelites out of 430 years of bondage in Egypt. Right? He brought them out of bondage through the leadership of Moses and Aaron. He brought them out of bondage, and where did he lead them? Right into the wilderness for 40 more years. Don't you imagine they thought, finally, we're getting out of Egypt, we're going to this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, it's probably right over the ridge, right? Uh-uh. They were left in the wilderness 40 years. And the Lord told me, he said, you know, what you do, how you act, what you speak, how you conduct yourselves when I deliver you out of this is critical. And he reminded me, he said, look at Israel. I delivered them from bondage, and what did they do? They get into the wilderness, and they start complaining. They start murmuring. They start uh, bad-mouthing authority. They start rebelling against authority. Even Aaron, right, came against Moses. And all of this was going on in the midst of daily miraculous provision by the hand of the Lord. The actions of the people following their deliverance left them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And it led them to the very sad fact that not one of them made it into the promised land. How we, the saints, conduct ourselves in the midst of challenge is important. We are called to be different. We are the called out ones, the eclectos. As we're reminded in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, he says, and we should all remember, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people set at liberty that you should show forth the virtues of of him that has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, and yet now are the people of God. Which in time past were not under mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. In verse 12, Have your conversation honest amongst the Gentiles, that they which speak evil of you as of evildoers may, by your good works, which they shall see, glorify God 
in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves unto all manner of ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be unto the king as unto the superior or unto governors as unto them that are sent of him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that by well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of the foolish men. There's a lot of foolishness going on in the world, okay? A lot of scurrying around. Nobody knows what is going on. And you know, man is not perfect. We talked about that. There was only one perfect man. But, you know, we're here to pray for our leaders, to intercede for them, to lift them up, to strengthen them, pastor, all the leadership at this church, President Donald Trump, all the leadership of our country. We are to pray and to intercede on their behalf. We have to conduct ourselves as the chosen ones that we are. This word eclectos means literally picked out by God. He handpicked you. And maybe he handpicked you for such a time as this. I don't know. But just remember how we conduct ourselves in these days, these weeks, these months, following our deliverance out of this is really paramount uh, to our survival and to the fulfillment of the purpose that the Lord has given us. And I love reading uh, this next part of Exodus. I'm going to read some select verses from chapters 15 and 17. And I would encourage you, maybe over the days ahead, if you have the time, and you're not too busy, <laughs> to read chapters 15, 16, and 17. But in chapter 15, verse 1 through 3, <clears throat> we read, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord, and said in this manner, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and him that rode upon him has he overthrown in the sea. The Lord is my strength and praise, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a tabernacle. He is my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. His name is Jehovah. And of course, this is being sung after Pharaoh and the army chased the Israelites to the Red Sea. And you know that story, right? In verse 20 and 21, it goes on. It says, And Miriam, the prophetess, sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women came out after her with timbrels and dances. And Miriam answered the men, Sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and the rider has he thrown into the sea when i was preparing the study the lord also gave me this scripture right at this moment from ephesians 5 19 and 21 thinking about how we're to conduct ourselves through this time and when we come out of this time speaking unto yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your hearts unto the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, even the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God.
Continuing in, uh, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 and 27, it says, and, and let's see here. If thou wilt diligently hearken, O Israel, to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep his ordinances, then I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals thee. And they came to Elam, where were twelve fountains of water and seventy palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. What I want to communicate to you is when we come through this time, we need to be, we need to be celebrating. We need to be singing. We need to be joyful. We need to be worshipful unto the Lord, giving thanks always for his goodness towards us in this time of, of trial. Chapter 16 of Exodus, I'm not going to read that, but <clears throat> of course, there's um, a lot of miraculous provision in chapter 16. We, we, we read of, um, of the manna from heaven. We read of quail, so much quail it came out of their nostrils. <laughs> we read about the water coming forth from the rock, right? We also read about a lot of murmuring. There was a lot of murmuring in chapter 16. As a matter of fact, once they got, I guess, firmly into the wilderness, the Israelites started longing for the flesh pots of Egypt, for the leeks and the garlic. You know, they, they were being ruled by their bellies. They wanted to go back to bondage for the food. That's crazy. The Lord has prepared for them a land flowing with milk and honey. And he has that for us as well. I want to read in chapter 17, verses 8 through 14. Um, and as we read that, I want you to think about in your mind that we need to stand for what's right. We also need to stand by and support our leaders. And we also need to remember whose banner it is that's flying over us as the saints. Amen. Chapter 17, verse 8, it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'm going to stand on top of that hill and I'm going to have the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass that when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now, you can imagine if you're holding your hands up like that for a long time, your hands are going to get tired. And it says that Moses' hands were heavy. And so they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat down on it. And then Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse this in the ears of Joshua, 
for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. It's a beautiful picture when you think about Moses, um, hands up, Israelites prevailing, he's getting tired. And then what happens? He gets the support of others on each side of him. Aaron and her literally lifting up his hands and holding up his hands. Is that not a picture for us today? Okay, we may not be able to literally get to the White House today and lift up the hands of our president. But we can pray for him. And we can intercede for him. And we can pray for the leadership of our nation. We can pray for the leadership of this house. How many of you know what a challenge it is for our pastor? What does a pastor do? He leads a flock. Right? A pastor leads a flock. <laughs> Where's the flock? We're out there. And he's leading us. He's just not able to lead us you know, through the gates and look at us and count us and see who's here and who's not here. But it's got to be a struggle for him. And I know that it's got to be, um, I know he's a great man of faith, but it's, it's troubling and worrisome and all the things that come with being a human. Um, so let's pray for him. Let's commit to praying for him and for his family. And let's be that source of strength and support for our leaders that we all are called to be. And you know what? Send him a note. Send him an email. Send him a text. Write him a letter. You've got time. Tell him how much he means to you and encourage him. In verse 15 of chapter 17 of Exodus, we read that Moses built an altar and he called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. And what that means is Jehovah is my banner. And you know what? His banner over us is what? Love. We need to remember that no matter what happens to us, no matter what's going on in the world, we need to remember, number one, the king is in control. Number two, it's his banner that's flying over us. And that his, it's, his banner over us is love. And he will lead us through any trial, any tribulation, any valley of darkness, valley of death he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies I've read that somewhere and again just be encouraged at this time number one today is a day it's resurrection Sunday Jesus he was not in the grave right they came to look for him he was risen as he said he would and yet they were shocked as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord and I commit to first seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness and not first seeking Instagram or Facebook or the news media of the day. Okay, The curve's going to flatten when the Lord's ready for the curve to flatten. And you know what? He can bring about an eradication of this virus in a day, if he so chooses. But you know what? It's not up to us to know the mind of the Lord. It's not up to us to know his timeline. His timeline is his timeline, and it's going to be what it's going to be. So let's do the things 
that we can. Let's control what we can control and have faith over what we can't control. Amen? So thank you for joining with us this morning for the Wisdom Seekers class. I thank you all for tuning in. Those of you who are able to be here this morning, thank you. And I do thank the Lord so much for his presence in the midst of a time of trouble and his encouragement, his strength, and his love towards us. And I ask that in the days ahead, Father, that you would bless your people. Give them that perfect peace. But Lord, also help each and every one of us to fix our mind on you. We have that choice. That's the wonderful thing, Lord, is you, you're not forceful. You give us the freedom to make our choices. And of course, then we reap the consequences thereof. But Lord, I pray in the days ahead, you would help us to choose you to choose you above all things, to seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. Lord, to, to listen to what you have to say to us during these times, to obey. And Lord, to know that we seek first the kingdom of God, fix our mind on you, and that you will have for us perfect peace. Lord, we're in the midst of a world that is full of anti-perfect peace. <laughs> and let us be that light. Let us let people wonder when they look at us, why are you so calm? Why are you so peaceful? And let us be quick to share our testimony. Let us be quick to share the reason for our peace. My mind is not fixed on the things of this world. My mind is fixed on Jesus. My mind is fixed on the King of Kings, the one who has all this under control. So, Father, bless every family throughout the network, Lord, on this wonderful, most special of days. Father, let it be a time of communion with you, communion with one another. Let it be a time of feasting and joy and happiness and peace. Father, we love you and we glorify you and we give you thanks for all things, everything, in the name of Jesus. Amen.